to another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. Good morning, Jody. How's it going? I'm working with a smile on my face because today I got the first four runs of the season in. They opened the resort today. Woohoo! Yeah, Awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know I've kind of threatened you before with coming over there and go skiing with you at some point, but maybe I'll hold myself to that this winter. We'll see. Do it. Maybe. We'll see. How was it? Was it, is it coming down? a little icy. Yeah. Getting hit in, in the face with somebody else's spray was a little bit like being pelted with frozen peas at maybe yeah. 60 miles an hour <laughs> or more. Yeah. It's not fun. You know, it's skiing. And we need to get off of the whole skiing thing and get on with whatever it is we're talking about today. What is it? Well, we are talking about mixing for mono compatibility. Yes. And that is... Sounds like super unsexy, but until we realize that a lot of people actually listen to mono today. That's how they consume their music. As sad as it is, so that's how I'm consuming things in the morning too. I have a HomePod, which is uh-huh. similar to the Alexa and similar to, what is it, the Google Echo or the Dot? I don't know what each one of those brands are called, but... Yeah, you got a single speaker sitting in a room playing your audio. You got to make sure that that music sounds good coming out of it. Yeah, and to me, it's always a weird thought because it's like going full circle, right? We go from mono to to stereo and then quad, and we've talked about surround, and now, of course, we're dealing with like Dolby Atmos and all this kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sony RA. Yeah, and now, no, mono is good. So <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. I don't think it's something that we should perhaps be all consumed by, but I think it's certainly something that we should consider. Yes. And be aware of when we're doing our mixes. So yeah, we're going to touch on a few things today. So, you know, we talked about why it's important, right? Because that, that's kind of how we, we do it. But why. I just gave one reason. I sit with a HomePod. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, but that's kind of it. People listen to music this way. And that's the only reason why it is important. Sure. If people weren't doing that, it wouldn't be an issue. Right. You know? So then it's like, well, no, you go listen to mono, you weirdo type of thing, right? <laughs> but what do you tend to watch for or listen for would probably be a better way of saying it when checking for mono compatibility. When I check for it? Well, when you listen for it. I mean, when you hear something like, oh, okay, this is not compatible, but what are some of the things that you discover that this is happening? One of the first things that can be a real problem is phase cancellation. Yeah. Yeah. When you okay. go and it sounds gigantic sonic juiciness that's in stereo, and then you put <laughs> it in mono and all of a sudden the sonic juiciness is gone. Yeah. <laughs> that's this phase cancellation. Be, right. Well, the easiest way to kind of hear this, I think, is generally the low end. But you and I just did a mix and where there was this big synth pad going on. And when that was collapsed into mono, weird things happened, right? I wouldn't call it weird. It just got very, very quiet in terms of where it was in the mix, relationally stereo to mono. Right. There's a phase thing where you have this big fat pad going super wide. And when it collapsed down, it didn't quite sit as well. We have to kind of listen for the whole spectrum there, but I would say that for general issues where we can hear them would lose like bottom end and that kind of thing, it would be between like bait synths and kicks and stuff if they're panned heavily, right? Sure. I say 
when you're doing all of these, the low end stuff primarily, make sure you keep stuff as centered as possible, I think. Obviously, good practice regardless. General rule of thumb, your heavy, low end stuff goes center. Unless you're the Beatles mixing hard left, hard right. <laughs> right. But that that was, they that didn't was back really in the, day the option, they, did they? Yeah, they didn't have right. the option and most things were in mono at that point. So when you mixed hard left, hard right, it collapsed down to mono anyway. Or of course, if you're listening to early Van Halen records, which is always a little bit jarring when you have bass on one side and, and guitar on the other, which is kind of weird. Same anyway. concept though. Same concept, but that was less of a technical limitation and just an aesthetic choice, I guess. Yes. When you're doing this, how do you generally go about checking for compatibility? Is this something that you do right off the bat or is it something that you do towards the end of your mix or or how do you go about this? I will do it at any point with a simple push of a button that allows me to click and then the mix becomes mono, and I click again, and it goes back to stereo. So I can make quick decisions right there on anything that I'm thinking about that goes a hard left, hard right, especially if I'm using some sort of effect plug-in or effect pedal to cause that stereo field to happen. And I can check mm-hmm. what happens in mono immediately. But is this something that you have done for a while or is this something that is relatively new to your workflow? Because for me, I have to confess, this is something that is relatively new practice for me. I mean, it goes back a little bit, but it's not something I've done all along. It's not by a long shot. Shame on you, sir. (laughs) Well, yeah. And and I'll tell you a, a humorous story in a little bit here why that is, but how long have you been doing this? Long time. I check yeah. all my mixes in mono. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to make sure that you. they translate well to an extent where nothing is like suddenly becoming ridiculously loud or ridiculously gone. Ridiculously it, gone. I like that. Yeah, yeah ridiculously <laughs> gone <laughs> right. from the mix when it's in mono. That way okay. it will translate hopefully fairly well to any source. Obviously, it gets more difficult as you get into the whole concept of the 360RA or the Dolby Atmos type mixing. Yeah, I would say that. But then you're probably not really thinking of that. If that's an issue that the the track is going to go out to all destinations, if you will, right? You're probably doing a separate mix for that. You're not necessarily thinking about the one would hope, but that doesn't mean that it wouldn't get heard in mono from a HomePod type situation or an Alexa type situation or a Google. Dot, I think it's called, or a phone for that matter. People listen to these things on their phone. The phone might have quote unquote stereo speakers in them, but the stereo field is going to be relatively minute. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly narrow there. For, yeah. yeah. You mentioned adding effects and things yes. that, that, are, that are stereo. I've noticed that in my experience that Things that can really cause issues are things like wide reverbs sure. or delays or, mm-hmm. or tremolos and all this kind of thing. So one thing that I've done with a recent mix, one of ours, was that while checking in mono, what happens to the reverb? 
sure. when you're doing this. And then sort of adjusting the level there and then finding that when going back to stereo, it tends to actually sit a little bit better unless you're going for something super drastic, right, as an effect effect. Mm-hmm. That's almost like a really good way of making sure that your your reverbs and things sit in a pretty good way. I found anyway. For, for yeah. me, that, that helps. Well, you also recently had an issue where you were using a tremolo effect, which you just mentioned. Uh, yeah, what, what I hinted that? at. Well, first off, I, I need to clarify: it wasn't recent, but oh, <laughs> it, it was no, it was it was a while back. It is a funny story, and it, it serves as a warning uh, when we're talking about this topic because it was an old song that I had done, and it started off with this tremolo panning thing mm-hmm. for it, it, it as an intro to a song that was big fat synth pad. And it had this really cool effect in stereo where it just bounced from speaker to speaker. Left, right. Now you're listening to Sounds great in stereo. Sounds great in stereo. However, when I heard it just sort of by accident, because this was not on my mind at the time, I heard (laughs) it coming through a mono speaker. And instead of having this nice rhythmic effect, I just heard, ooh, (laughs) (laughs) because there was no difference, right? That's a word of caution, and that can be jarring because I first thought was like, what the heck happened to the bounce? Is something wrong with the bounce? No, it's nothing wrong with the bounce, dummy. You just used the effect in a weird way that it was no difference at all It went when it came down to mono. Yeah, that got me thinking a little bit how I do some things. Good on you. And right now we'll take a word from our sponsors. And we're back. What would you consider doing and you kind of posed this question to me. Would you just start your mix in mono or you just mix it in stereo and occasionally check now? Well, I think that comes down to just a personal workflow and what works. If this is of real importance to you, I would propose that maybe consider starting mixing in mono and just get levels between tracks sitting in a good way. So you can kind of hear everything is kind of sitting at a level and then taking it from there. Sure. I think that... That's that rough uh, mix concept that people want when you're immediately working, isn't it? (laughs) Kind of, right? Yeah. But it it can get you in a ballpark. And I think it can be a healthy way of doing things when you're starting off because it is very easy to make things sound nice and separated in the stereo field. But of course. Because we're used to hearing it that way, right? Well, so just starting with mixing in mono, getting your basic levels, and then maybe taking it from there is something that you might consider doing. I don't think I've done a mix from that standpoint, but I have later on gone back and checked and just to see where where things are sitting. And you checked by moving everything back to straight center and listening that way. No, no, no. I'm not moving really? any panels. I'm doing it just like on my interface, just like you're. I'm hitting one button, boom. And Checking that's mono. in mono, yeah. Right. And then it's just a touch of a button. Now, if your interface doesn't do that, you probably have a utility in your DAW. Let's say, for example, you're using Logic, use the gain utility and just hit mono there on your on your master two bus, right? Do it that way. So, no, I wouldn't touch a mix like in the pan where, where it is. That, that would be way too much work and confu- <laughs> confusing just to sure. check it, right? So, Yeah. What about you, though? You said you check as you go along. I check as I go along. I keep it in my mind for everything that I do in terms of a stereo thing. And the main reason that I do that has more to do with the fact that I don't subscribe to the 
strict left-right-center concept. And I have mixing engineer friends that they do that. They do Mm -hmm. not put anything that is in between dead center, hard left, or hard right. Yeah. That's the only three places they put them. Yeah, there's a very successful <laughs> mix there's engineer lots that of does successful that engineers right. that do that. I'm not one of them. I will no, pan things off at 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, all the way up to 100% left, right, and center. I like having things in different places because of the fact that when it is in stereo and you're listening in a nice environment or even headphones, you can put things and do things in very cool ways to make people do the RCA Victor dog move. And I like that. (laughs) And doing things hard left, hard right, and center don't always get those results. No, I I agree with you there. I think it can perhaps be a good way of thinking if you're doing that hard left, hard right, or right down the middle for sort of like main aspects of your mix. Mm -hmm. Let's say they have stereo guitarists, right? Hard left, hard right. Now there's a lot of guitar players that might disagree with that. They make it feel, or it feels odd to them to hear them like that. But that would be one example, obviously like bass, kick, snare, right up the middle, lead vocal right up the middle. But there are so many other things that, just like you're describing, I think you add some interest to. Let's say there's a percussion element, perhaps. Does that really need to be hard left or hard right? So you can place those in all spaces in between, and you have so much room there if you have a dense mix to kind of play with it. Sure. So that, that's a huge playground for me. So It's a great playground in my mind. And one of the things that I like to do is especially when guitars and other instruments are double, triple, quadruple tracked, say, and you're doing this in a verse, your verse mm. pans for the guitars might be Plus 15, minus 15 if you're looking at logic. And if you're looking at something else, then it's going to be minus 15 left or minus 15 right kind of thing. I would say you got maybe like the 10 o'clock and 2 10 and 2. Yeah, kind right. of a 10 yeah. and 2 thing going on in the verse. And then when you want to really pull it out and get some more excitement going from the chorus, then you do a hard left, hard right with those same guitar tracks. And boom, now you've got more room that opens up. You've got more space for extra vocals and everything else. Plus it provides a slightly different listening environment, obviously not in mono, but in stereo, it provides that excitement. When you're doing that though, because I have done that trick as well, and I haven't really messed with that as far as like a mono thing, but that surely has to change how they sit when you collapse, right? No. You don't experience Well, unless you're changing the volume level, it doesn't change how it sits in mono. It changes how it sits in stereo. So So, that's why I'm listening for relevance. When I'm mixing in certain sections of the song, I will make sure that things don't move. And generally speaking, unless the guitar part suddenly has massive changes in volume, it won't affect the mono compatibility going from 10 and 2 to hard left, hard right. In a mono mix, but in a stereo mix, it does. So these are little things that you have to pay attention to. It shouldn't mess with the mono mix. One thing that we touched on before we started recording here today, I'm imagining that this has an impact on what pan law that you're using in your DAW, not in the end result, but certainly how you hear things when you're well, it will in the panning end them in stereo. Yeah, Not in mono. I mean, obviously in mono, it will affect what you're hearing because the change will be a little bit more drastic. Right. You know, logic is nice in that you can 
change and have whatever pan law you kind of want. Right. Because <laughs> there's no pan law and then there's minus three and then there's the minus three compensated and then they have the 4.5 and then the six. And I think they have compensated versions of those as well. And all of those things in terms of logic change how the stereo field will sound compared to the mono field. Right. Because things will get louder and such when you but go hard. Yeah, that's right. what I mean. That That's something to possibly experiment with. Again, we're getting into the weeds here a little bit when it kind of comes to this. So That's the point it, of this podcast, to get into the damn weeds. So now in other DAWs, let's take Luna, for example, because that's my other – that's like now my mixing DAW. Luna is set. One pan law – you're done. It's minus six up the center. So things get loud on the sides. Right. <laughs> so you really have to check things in mono to make sure they're working in that regard because that pan law is huge. And I, a few episodes back when we did the SSL episode, I believe that the SSL was set to what, 4.5? I know it was a value that was not one of the usual normal right. ones, if you will. And yeah. I believe Logic so, has compensated for that in not too distant history where they've added that particular pan law now. So now this is obviously just to people that might get worked up out there that might be listening to this sad podcast, in which case first, thank you. It's not to think that, okay, well, I have to mix in this DAW now just because of this issue. It's not. It's just what you're hearing when you're mixing, right? So you could get potential surprises, I would think, if you're having one of these pan laws that isn't compensated and you're listening and you have them hard left, hard right, that once collapsing, they might get really loud or just really go away. soft, depending on right. which way the pan law works. And that's why I check things in mono, especially with Luna, things change. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to be aware of that. Right. When do we say that when when is good enough, good enough as far as like this? I mean... I would venture to say that unless you're mixing in mono all the way from start to end, first of all, it's probably an esoteric choice to do in today's musical landscape where people, oddly enough, we'd like to hear things like a Vegas casino, there's things <laughs> happening everywhere, right? That completely go away in mono. Okay. When do we say this is good enough for mono? Do you have a thought on that or how do you treat that? Do you try to go for as identical as possible, which – I would say it's probably not at all possible. The but, answer but to that question is no. I don't yeah. try to go for identical. It can't, especially right. with the way certain stereo things work. Case in point, we just did a mix for another song that you sent me, and I did two different versions of the master. Mm. And the reason for that was is one master did not have any imaging on it. Right. In other words, to widen the stereo field in stereo. The second one did. The amount of change from each master was kind of negligible, but in the stereo field, it made a drastic difference. Although it did soften yeah. the mono version just a little bit. And that's yeah. part of that thing of going in for that compromise. Yeah. Now, one thing that I have noticed, and this is something I have to experiment with a little bit more, is when you have a stereo guitar, mm -hmm. not in as in one guitar, just pan stereo, right? But, but having double-tracked guitars, yep. they can be a little bit tricky to, to fold down to sound as full and things that, that I want them to be. They, I think there's very easy to get phasing and things going on with that. Well, and there's um, 
this is a reason why you hear about guitar players, or at least you used to. I don't know if you hear about it so much anymore. Pay attention, kiddies. <laughs> when guitar players used to talk about what they used to record, and they talked about having different amps and different guitars, mm -hmm. they did that specifically for what you're talking about. Because the recording engineer was probably thinking about the concept of it folding down to mono and not being complementary. So when you use a Strat on the left with a Roland J120, and then you use a Gibson with a Marshall on the right, when they collapse down, those are two very distinct sounds that in stereo, they're going to sound full. And in mono, they should complement each other without subtracting from each other. But if you take that same thing where you're doing your Gibson Les Paul through a Marshall and then you record a right channel for it, and then you record the same guitar and same amp on the left, and you play the exact same chords in the same pattern, you collapse that down to mono, there's a good chance shit's going to disappear. Because you're using the same instrument, the same amp, the same tone probably, and you're playing the same part, not moving it around the neck, you're likely to get phasing to happen, as weird as that concept might be. But you mentioned something interesting there, though. I'm with you on all of that, mm -hmm. but I'm also want to point out that it doesn't have to be a drastically different thing. It doesn't have to be like a super clear, but I think even it could be something as, yeah, you can swap the guitar or you can just EQ things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And that will itself not only make it sound bigger, but it doesn't mean that you have to have like a completely drastic tone, but it is something to think about where you alter something slightly on the other side, if you will. It's what not even so much that? you think about it. It's a good idea to do it regardless. Yeah, regardless of monocompatibility, <laughs> that, yeah. that's a good, it's a good practice to do because it just makes things sound a little bit bigger. Right. One thing that I wanted to touch on here as well is like the, the effects, reverbs and things, mm -hmm. I think are really noticeably different in mono. And I think I kind of hinted to what it be earlier here, I think that kind of hints at that they might be too loud or not loud enough as they are in the mix. So that's one thing that I noticed when I started doing this a little bit more, that checking in mono, that reverbs and things cause issues. But they can. They can, but bringing them down a little bit can kind of solve that, or at least go a long way of solving that. Sure. Not that they don't want to be inaudible, but bringing them down. I so hear you. can kind of mix that or, or fix that for you. I just want to point out that on the website, there is an example of a mix that is mixed in stereo and then what that same mix sounds like in mono. Right. Go check so, it out. Go check it out and see what happens. All right. right? Let's see move it, on. We're going to move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got this week? I chose something that is near and dear to my heart. I have, if I look over to my right here, I can see my purple Soldano X88 sitting in my rack collecting dust because now <laughs> I use the neural DSP for a lot of that sound that I do. Mm -hmm. 
But if you really like that sound, and I really, really like that sound, and you're one of those guitar players that goes, I cannot afford a Soldano, or I don't want to be in the software world, Soldano now have a drive pedal for the SLO overdrive, and it's now available to you, so you can plug that in front of whatever amp that you might be using, and you can get that sound. So the Soldano SLO Drive, I think it's called. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Soldano. I still have the original one. Ha! But uh, <laughs> well, good on you. That, yeah. So that that is my find for this Friday. What about you, Jody? I'm going with a pedal as well. I'm going mm-hmm. with something that is very, very niche, very, very different. Okay. It is by Electro Harmonics. They have released a new pedal called the S9, which I think the full title is S9 String Ensemble. So I don't know if they've made like eight previous versions and this is just a newer version, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of my thought process of why it's the nine. But I believe the fact that they call it the nine is that they have nine different selections of ways to emulate synth patches and orchestral tones using your guitar. So if you're one of those guitar players that wants to sound like a guitar player sometimes and other times you want to sound like a keyboard player, this is the pedal for you if you don't want to learn to play keys. And that is my Friday find for this week. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. Doing so will get you weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out and we'll make sure that you don't miss any future episodes of this lovely podcast. Send us an email at goldstar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the word mono and you'll get something cool back in your inbox and i swear it won't be a disease if you have a topic or suggestion for chris and i to explain in a future episode contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode with that i'll say see you next week thanks for listening everybody have a good one jody